Good morning. I'm not used to the spotlight being right here. It's good to halfway see everybody out there. I am used to spending time upstairs talking to little kids. And on Tuesday night, you can find me here talking to a few trail life campers. But it's been a while since I've stood before a congregation like this and spoken. Had the privilege uh, about a year ago, Memorial Day, to speak at our former pastor, Pastor Marshall's church in Shipshawana. Spoke on Memorial Day, and it was uh, just after my dad had passed. And uh, it was very appropriate that day to be able to share how much Memorial Day meant to me at that time. And uh, God uh, helped me that day. Today we're dealing with different kind of subject than I think I've preached about, even when I was pastoring years ago. Because we're living in days that a lot of people are fear, filled with fear. Uh, sometimes when I'm working with kids upstairs or when I'm singing in the worship team or doing other things, I don't always have the opportunity to hear who's preaching and I have to listen to them online. So I'm thankful for the ministry of our online uh, services that we offer those that are home we're looking forward to you coming back and being with us here in the sanctuary but aren't you glad that we can minister to folks that aren't yet ready to come back and, and sit with us in the pews but yet we can still have that ministry online thank you to everybody who works upstairs and in the back and all around to make sure this ministry is available because it's touched me i was listening to pastor andy and pastor bob uh, bring messages that I'd never heard them bring, even though sometimes I was in the building. And I had to wait till after the service because I was doing a ministry elsewhere other than being able to be in, in the congregation with you. So it's been a real blessing to me having our online service. So God bless all of you who are making that happen. And those of you who are at home, I trust that you just sense God's presence right there where you're at. And you sense that I've got a little bit of a emotion about myself today because not only is it because I'm a little fearful because it's been a little while since I've spoken it to a congregation like this, but this is a vast, important role that's been placed upon me today. Anytime that I have the opportunity to open up God's Word and share it with you, it's something bigger than I could ever do myself. So I'm depending on God. I'm depending on His Holy Spirit. And I'm depending on your prayers going with me as I open up this precious Word to you today. I appreciate uh, the messages we've had dealing with this um, group of messages dealing with the future I think Pastor Tony started uh, this series and uh, presented it to Pastor Bob and Pastor Andy. Little did I know I'd be involved in this as well, but I thank God for the privilege to do this. Because it was just, Pastor Tony, even though he's not with us the last few weeks, and he'll be with us a few weeks from now, but he knows the heartbeat of this congregation. And he knew that during the times that we're going through now with the COVID-19 and some people being quarantined and the questions about tomorrow, whether the kids are going to be starting classes or whether they're going to be at home, whether we should wear a mask or whether we shouldn't wear a mask, whether we should 
uh, socially distance and how close can we be and how close should we not be and should I give a hug to my grandma on her birthday or all these kind of things. And sometimes guys like me that are just used to being socially distancing out the window, I was talking to Phil this morning, he said, this really hasn't changed my lifestyle a whole lot because I can't have social distance all the time. When this social distancing came up that I had to do, it wasn't, I didn't have to make a, few, a lot of changes. But if you know anything about me, I'm a guy that loves to shake your hand. And if I know you real well and you're going through a tough time, I like to give you a hug and try to support you that way. And right now, it's kind of hard for me to meet you at the door and say hi and just wave and say, God bless you. But I can't touch you and I can't put my arms around you and hug you if you're going through a, a tough time. But these are times that we've just got to realize there's certain times you just need to go with what the government's asking us to do. But I've been through some uh, losses in my wife's family, and sometimes those things just go out the door when uh, folks get together that are really hurting. Back in the days of uh, Paul, when he was speaking to the early church, and by the way, a lot of folks probably already know this, but Paul is the main author of the New Testament. All of the people that he spoke to in his book of Acts, he was speaking about the Acts of the Apostles. And you, with anything with an I-A-N-S at the end, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all those were written by Paul. I was listening to Pastor Bob speak online in my in the privacy of my own home the other day and I I heard him say and you may recall him saying when he spoke one day we've all been speaking from first and first and second Thessalonians here of late Thessalonians both 1 and 2 were some of the first writings that Paul did but if you look at them in God's word in the New Testament they put them toward the back in fact of all the 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 books that Paul wrote that end in A-N-S, which were letters to different churches in Colossae and Philippi and, uh, and here in Thessalonica. That's why it's called the Thessalonian letters. This was the first ones he, he wrote to, these, these churches. But yet they put them last in order of the New Testament because of the the things that he's dealing with in these passages. And if you've been able to hear the messages over the last few weeks, you know that it's dealing with end times. And sometimes, uh, even though it's dealing with end times, it's gotten messages for us in our daily uh, lives that sometimes it deals with uh, talking about Christ's return and other times it's just talking about ways that we should uh, work with one another and care for one another. But this specifically in 2 Thessalonians, when we're talking about the theme of Tomorrowland finding a future or facing a future without fear, it's important for all of us to realize that everyone goes through times of fear. Everyone goes through times that uh, we have anxiety and everyone needs to realize that there is going to be a time when Christ is going to return. 
And in the days when Paul wrote this, there were all kinds of people trying to put different uh, voices behind Paul's letter. In fact, they say 2 Thessalonians specifically was written to let people know that 1 Thessalonians wasn't necessarily a message saying that Jesus was coming back necessarily in that time. Paul was, if you look at the, the passage in 2 Thessalonians 2, which we'll be dealing with today, uh, Paul says especially that uh, he's trying to correct the, the, the thought that some people will... Do we need to stand around and just wait on Jesus to come? I think Andy touched on that last week when he brought his message to us. He, Paul wants us to be aware that yes, Christ is going to return and yes, there's lots of signs and things that are going to, to show us when His return is going to be here. But he wasn't intending to let anybody think or make anyone uh, fearful of the fact that Jesus was going to come in the next day or two. Because as you look all through God's Word, No one knows the day or the hour that the Son of Man comes. Nobody knows for sure when Christ is coming back. But one thing we all need to know, that we need to be prepared. But at the same time we're being prepared, we need to realize we should not be fearful. We should be expecting, but going about the Father's business. Paul made a point, especially in Thessalonians and and even in uh, the Romans, Colossians, toward the end of every message, of every letter that he wrote to the churches, he encouraged them to stay busy. Don't just think you need to stand around and wait on the Lord to come back. I know we're talking about end times things, and sometimes when you talk about Jesus coming back, we just want to stand around and say, oh, even now, Lord Jesus, come. I'm just going to sit around and wait for your time to come. But no, if you look through almost every book, if not every book, that Paul wrote to the churches. We need to be a people that are at work. Even some of the hymns that I remember as a kid growing up hearing, talking about the, the coming of the second coming of Christ. I remember the one that said, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. Jesus is coming again, and all the saints, all the elderly people in the church were raising their hands and saying, oh yes, Lord, even now, if you want to come, I'm ready. But here I am, a teenager or a young boy or whatever age I was when that hymn was being sung, and sometimes I'd say to myself, no, Lord, please don't come today. This girl that I'm getting ready to ask out, at least wait till I get a chance to date her once or twice, or Maybe it's a time that I'm thinking about asking my wife, Deb, now, who I dated uh, as a teenager as well. Please, Lord, don't come back. Just give me a chance to, to marry my wife. And, oh, when I, well, don't come right after the wedding, Lord, because I want to have some kids and I want to have the joy of knowing what it's like to have a family and, and raising my kids. And Well, after my kids are born, please, Lord, don't come right now because I want to have the joy of walking my Daughters down the aisle when they get married. and You know, it's really not up to me and it's not up to you. When the Lord wants to come back and when He sees it's time to come back, He's going to come back. And yes, He cares about your feelings, about wanting to raise your family and wanting to, to date those girls and marry that man or woman. And 
He wants to enjoy, you to enjoy all those things, but he also wants you to know the most important thing that any of us could ever experience is being with him. And if you're not being with him on a regular basis, you need to start doing that now. If we're going to wait till heaven comes for us to spend time with Jesus, well, we're missing out on a whole lot of blessing that God has for us right here and now. So I encourage you to just say, Jesus, even now, come. But if you're not going to come today, and if you're not going to come tomorrow, and if your time no one knows for sure, Lord, I need you now, and I need your presence now, and I need you to spend time with me now. And I need to give you praise now. One day, a lot of the, the... choruses that we used to sing and even that we heard this morning are talking about how Jesus is uh, always going to be there for us through difficult times and he's going to be there for us in heaven and specifically some of the hymns would say that we want um, when we get to heaven we're going to lay our crowns at his feet and we're going to glorify him and give him praise but we need to be doing that today as well. We need to be asking the Lord for strength and help and giving Him praise for all that He is today and not just looking forward to a day when we're all going to lay our crowns. Well, what does it mean, someone would say, what do you mean a crown? You're going to lay your crown at Jesus' feet. All the accomplishments that we have received or been piled on us. All the people that you've influenced for Christ through your life and people say, oh, I'm so thankful for this one and that one. So thankful that you were my Sunday school teacher. I'm so thankful for what you did. And they, they're laying all this praise on you. So thankful, Mom and Dad, that you were a Christian influence to me. So thankful, Grandma and Grandpa, for the Christian influence you were to me. And people are putting all those praises on you. And Little by little, a crown is being formed on your heads. And people are saying, boy, what a blessing this person was. Billy Graham probably had a, a crown that he could really lay down at the feet of Jesus. It was probably bigger than anything that I'll ever be able to lay at Jesus' feet. But the beautiful thing is, no matter what the accomplishments that we have done here on earth, they all pale in comparison to the gift that Jesus gave us. We would never experience or know anything or be able to touch anybody's life for Christ if it weren't for Christ first giving Himself for us on the cross and making it possible for us to know Him personally as our Savior. So when we get to heaven, whatever accomplishments we've received or we've done here on earth, we're going to just take them and lay them at His feet and let Him know that the only reason we were able to accomplish anything in His name was because He gave us the power and He gave us the abilities to do those things. Today's passage in first, or Second Thessalonians chapter 2 deals with the man of lawlessness. If you see the man of lawlessness, first things that comes to my mind is, I bet they're going to be talking about the Antichrist. And when I think of the Antichrist, a lot of people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. Some people think this one's the Antichrist. Some people think that the Antichrist is alive and well and walking the halls of some government agency or some other country and they're in some position of leadership. I'm not sure who the Antichrist is, but I do know when, when it is revealed to the church, there's going to be such a thing called the rapture. 
And I believe most of us are not even going to have to deal with that because I believe God's going to take us away. But when the Antichrist is upon us, most people are going to believe everything he says because the Bible says he's going to give signs and wonders and all kinds of things. People are going to be blinded because they're not following Christ and living in his word and living in his will day to day. That's why Paul wrote messages like this in Second Thessalonians. It's up there on the screen, chapter 2. Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, our being gathered with Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or some letter supposed to have come from us, saying that at the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For the day of the Lord will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Already Paul wants them to know that this so-called Antichrist, this man that's going to be the man of lawlessness set up to rule, he's doomed to destruction. He opposes and exalts himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. And he, he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may reveal, be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so, Till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved for this reason god sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness their own sin is the thing that's going to be their damnation the damnation of a lot of people because they're going to be so wrapped up in sin that they don't see the second coming coming and they're they're looking for some kind of a leader to get them through their trials and their difficult times and they're not looking to the one source that we all should look to in in Christ and God the Father and depending on the Holy Spirit to get us through this time they're trusting in something completely false first Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 says do you have that up there I'm going to switch to that one if we could 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Satan is like a roaring lion. And I didn't write it all down on these cards. So, is it up there now? Be alert of sober. Your enemy, the devil, I'm going to look up here. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So yes, if you looked 
ahead and you've heard what the sermon title was going to be today, the Antichrist is Satan's, uh, the Antichrist to Satan is kind of like Jesus to God the Father. Jesus the Son of God, the Antichrist is kind of like the devil's number one man come to set up his kingdom here on the earth. And he's going to be doing a lot of things to try to get people to think that he is the answer. But we as Christians are going to see through all of that. When I think of the, the Antichrist, and when I think of Satan himself, I think of uh, the boogeyman. My mom and dad said, don't worry about the boogeyman. He's not real. Don't worry about what you see in these movies and what you hear people say about the boogeyman. He's not real. My mom and dad brought me up to believe that there was a power that was bigger than the boogeyman. Fortunately, I grew up in a Christian home to let me know that when I had fear, I could bring that fear to the Lord and He could help me overcome that fear through the power of His Spirit and through the power of a loving mom and dad, through the power of a loving church who'd wrap their arms around me when I'd go through scary times in life. And I'm glad that when I uh, look to my kids and how they've brought up their kids, sometimes, more often than not, they'll remember back to what mom and dad taught them and they try to teach their kids in the same way. One thing I'm thankful for this morning is Veggie Tales. How many ever remember Veggie Tales? You taught them to your kids or maybe you're too old to look at them yourself. But Veggie Tales has an answer for every problem because they dealt with different stories in the Bible. I love the story of Noah. I love the story of Joshua. Is Finian back there? Finian loved the story of the VeggieTales version of Joshua. He loved the version of Noah's Ark, and we've got all those. And little by little, we just thought they were fun little stories with funny little characters, but it was ingrained with the Word of God. And little by little, little Finian began to trust in God's Word when he saw the stories that were displayed on the screen through VeggieTales. And when it came time for this one to be brought up, it's especially important to look at today. So without saying anything else, let's see that little clip about what VeggieTales say about fearing the boogeyman. So when I'm lying in my bed And the furniture starts creeping I'll just laugh and say, hey, cut that out! my sleeping cause I know that God's the biggest and he's watching all the while so when I get scared I'll think of him and close my eyes and smile God is bigger than the boogeyman Hunters on TV
Amen. Thank you, Bob and Larry, and thank you, uh, Junior Asparagus, for sharing that deep message that God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger not only than the boogeyman, but he's bigger than any problem that the devil tries to put in our path. Every day that we walk as Christians along the path, we're going to find something that's going to cause us to stumble. But aren't you glad for God's Word that tells us when those stumbling blocks come in our path that we can have a light that will shine on those things that will keep us from stumbling? I love working with the kids downstairs or upstairs. I guess it's upstairs now. I've been in churches where the kids met downstairs. I was going back years ago. Now the kids are meeting upstairs. And I love to share with them that that passage that says, uh, God allows His light to shine upon our path, that we could see what is lit up, illuminated before us. God illuminates those things that are before us that would cause us as Christians to stumble, and we could avoid those things. But if we don't allow His light to shine upon our path, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall and we're going to be fearful. And all these things are going to be defeating us. But my God is bigger than the boogeyman and He's provided a way for us to avoid those stumbling blocks. He's allowed us through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, through prayers and examples of godly parents and godly brothers and sisters in Christ to show us that His path can be made clear if we allow His Spirit and His Word to be the light that's shining in, in those paths. Um, if there was a, an adult version of God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman, I think it was written by a man called Gordon Jensen about 30, 40 years ago. I didn't realize it was that long ago until I asked uh, Dan and Tracy, you know the song... Bigger than any mountain, bigger than anything, my God is big. No, I don't think I know that one, Gary. How many's ever heard God is bigger than any mountain, bigger than anything? No, there's one. That was my wife. And there's my daughter because she heard me singing it all through. You guys never heard of bigger than any mountain, bigger than anything? No? Raise your hands again so I can see. There's one, two, three. Well, the Mittmans heard that song growing up, evidently. Bill Gaither vocal band sang it. Some of the Gaither groups sang it, I guess. And it just really hits home with me this morning. It's the adult version of God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman. Gordon Jensen wrote it, and it goes something like this. Bigger than all my problems. Bigger than anything. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions. Bigger than anything. God's bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my shadows that fall across my path. Bigger than all confusion. Bigger than all the giants of fear and unbelief. Bigger than all the hang-ups. Bigger than anything. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. I'm going to teach you that course before we close out the service tonight or this morning. So Pastor Andy said, uh, well, how do you want to close the service? Because I need to come up at the end of the service. I said, oh, I'd like to teach him a little course. So be prepared. And by the time you leave this morning, you're going to know 
at least the chorus. Because it's, I think it's important for us to let the devil know, even though he thinks he's big stuff, and the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, he's going to think he's big stuff. If you listen to what we read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when the Antichrist does come upon the scene, not only is he going to think that he's big stuff, but he's going to convince a whole bunch of people that he is big stuff. And he is the one that they need to follow. He is the one that, if they don't follow him, they will, again, probably lose their lives. That's going to happen. And uh, if you just follow what's going on in the world today, chances are, if you're a Christian, you're following what Christians should be following, and you're living as close to God as you're supposed to be living, you're going to be criticized, if you're not already criticized, for some of the ways that you believe and some of the paths that you're taking they're not falling in line with what the quote-unquote uh politically correct crowd need to follow and little by little that one that is going to to come before everyone that seemingly is going the right path which may not be god's path but they're following that path that is tickling the ears and making people think this is the right way to go and he's going to be led by satan himself and folks are going to be following a false teaching that's going to fall right in line with the way they're living because they're living lives outside of god's will and everybody who's living god's will those especially of us who call ourselves christians are going to be attacked does that sound familiar folks have you felt attacked at times Well, it's just the beginning because if His day is coming where Christ is coming soon, and every day it's just that much closer of Christ's second coming, there's going to be more and more opportunities for Christians to be pushed down and pushed down. And when the Antichrist does come on the scene, whether he's already on the scene or not, I'm not going to say. But when he comes on the scene, the more he is brought before the people to show that this is the guy we need to follow, Christians are going to be more and more pushed to the side. And I believe that's the time that we're going to uh, experience the rapture. We're going to uh, have a different way of escape than the Antichrist is bringing to people. My, I don't look at Facebook a lot, but my wife was looking at Facebook, I think it was last night or the night before, and she came across this. One of our relatives had posted this, and she got it from someone. Um, evidently, someone sent it to her. And they said at the end of the post, if you believe this, send this on. You've probably received some posts like that. And I was inspired when Deb showed this to me, and I just want to read it to you. It says, the government might be preparing for a cashless society, but it, but it was predicted by the Bible, already designed. I put in, it was, if put into place, it just means our time is getting closer. Not worried about what is going to happen, just looking up and getting ready. Maybe worry about your friends and family who aren't ready. But don't worry whether you're going to make it or not. Sometimes I think we as Christians are too worried whether we're going to make it to heaven instead of worried about are concerned about our loved ones and friends who don't know Christ and try to be the example 
and lead them before it's eternally too late to share that message. I got off my text here. Maybe worry about your friends and family who aren't already aren't ready instead of what already designed to happen, that you will not be stopping. Okay. I don't know if I read that correctly again. Maybe worry about your friends and family who aren't ready instead of what is already designed to happen, and you will not be stopping. No matter how we want to stop it, it's not going to be stopped because the Bible's already said it's going to happen. So when it happens, we can see the signs, but we're not going to be able to stop it because it's all in God's plan and it's going to happen. While the devil, I like this line more than anything else, while the devil is preparing people for the Antichrist, and that's basically what's going on in our world right now. Satan is all his scheming is preparing the world for the Antichrist. Little by little by little, he's melting and molding as many folks as he can into believing the message that the Antichrist is going to bring. And then when he does come, oh yeah, 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 that, that's right, that's right, that, that must be the way that we should be, be living. But while the devil is preparing people for the Antichrist, God is preparing people for the rapture. The devil's preparing people for the Antichrist, but God is preparing people for the rapture. I don't know when the rapture will take place, this person says, but I do believe it could be soon. I also believe that this is a time that God is giving us a chance to repent. So we need to get out and we need to get the gospel message out until the good Lord comes and and calls us away from this world to go home. I want to make it clear that I believe in Jesus Christ as the true Lord and Savior. If you believe that, say amen. I also believe that despite the fact that I am human, And I fail a lot. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. I believe that He died on the cross. If you believe that, say amen. I believe He was a sacrifice for our sins and He rose again from the dead on the third day. If you believe that, say amen. He loves us. He loves us all dearly, far more than we deserve. And He forgives our sins when we repent. His Word says in John 3.16, whoever believes in Him should never perish, will never perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also says in Matthew, but whoever shall deny Me before men, him will I also deny before the Father which is in heaven. This is the best challenge, this person says, that I've ever seen on Facebook. And he challenges all of us to adopt if you believe all those things that you said amen to then we don't need to fear the boogeyman we don't need to fear the antichrist we don't need to fear satan when he tries to make us fall with all the obstacles he puts in our path (sighs) but we can trust the one and only god the one and only god that says satan the antichrist is already doomed Even before he comes on the scene, he's doomed because he is not the true and living God. He's doomed already. 
And if uh, there was a team this morning picking up sides and God is picking up one side and Satan's picked up the other side, uh, God says, okay, you can have first pick, Satan. He says, well, I've got the Antichrist and he's going to be the most powerful. He says, all right, my turn. I pick my son, Jesus Christ. When God the Father said, I pick my son, Jesus Christ, and he sent his son into the world, to be born of a virgin and grow up in a society that really didn't always recognize who he was. But when he went to that cross and when he paid the price on that cross, the victory had already been won. Way before the Antichrist had ever been known and even before this leader is going to come, the, the deal is over. The game is over. Satan is doomed. The Antichrist is doomed Because Jesus is the answer and Jesus is the reason that we do not need to be afraid as Christian. There was an old southern gospel said, I read the back of the book and we win. Remember that one? How many remember that one? I read the back of the book and we win. All you need to know is Jesus, when he came on the scene, he made us all winners. He made us all victorious through him. And if you want to get on the losing team, just start following whatever your heart desires instead of following what God's desires are for your heart. Because um, if you look at the, um, what's it, uh, the Satanic Bible? Has anyone seen a Satanic Bible? Raise your hand if you have. Well, I hope that you don't pick one out and start looking at it day to day and how to live. But they're in the library, a satanic Bible. I found one in the library one time. And all I had to look is the very first page before any so-called scripture or whatever they call it in the satanic Bible was starting to be read. And it said this quote, Do what thou wilt. In other words... Whatever you want to do, you do it. And you're pleasing Satan, and you're starting already down the path that Satan wants you to be on. And a lot of people are drawn to that because Satan has a lifestyle that tells you whatever you want to do, you do it. Back in the 60s and 70s, there was a slogan that said, If it feels good, what? If it feels good, do it. Boy, how did that work out? For a lot of folks. And if it feels good to go out and just beat up anybody who doesn't agree with what your uh, philosophy is that day, or if, they're, if it feels good to just waste your life and your mind away with drugs and alcohol and all the things of this world, if it feels good to, to be with whatever woman you want to be with, and that one also, and that one also, and that one also, well, if it feels good... Do it. If that's the philosophy you want to live by, I guarantee you right now, you're on the wrong side. And you need to realize you're going down the path of what the Satanic Bible was trying to encourage those that that trusted in in that Bible that were hardcore Satanists. Well, I'm not a hardcore Satanist, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to do what I want to do in life. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do. Whether you realize it or not, You're living by the satanic Bible. You're living by the 
the desires of Satan. Because he says, if you think that this kind of lifestyle is something that's uh, good and easy way to go, well, go ahead and do that. Do what thou wilt. Whatever you want to do, do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. There was a song that was on the, the radio back when... Uh, I first started working this factory. They played it on WLKI all the time. Do you know what it was, Debbie? Did I tell you about it? I thought, oh, shoot. It said, oh, if you can't be with the one you love, honey. What? Love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. And every morning I would go to work and I'd hear WLKI playing that silly song that is a philosophy sent from hell if there ever was one if you can't be with the one you love this was going out to the uh, vietnam guys that's and i don't say just because that song is why so many guys in vietnam cheated on their wives but that was the hippie movement's philosophy too do your own thing love the one you're with do this do that and little by little the drugs all came in and whatever feels good do it and little did they know each little step that they took trying to satisfy their own lusts and their own desires was bringing them down to a path of destruction and that kind of philosophy is going to cause a lot of people to be destroyed in these last days My time's getting away, but I do want to bring one more uh, clip. When the Lord comes back, don't bring it up just yet. When the Lord comes back, Satan, the Antichrist, who has been deceived, will be defeated. And Jesus will overthrow the Antichrist. It says in verse 8 of chapter 2 of uh, 2 Thessalonians. And... The Antichrist will be defeated with the breath of Christ's mouth. This kind of sums it up when you see this. I believe it's... Nope, that's not... I'm sorry, that's not the one. Stop. I forgot all about that. Well, let's play that. I forgot to share that with you. I was at work one day and I was thinking about this sermon. I said, oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. I I got blessed right there working at my machine because I thought of Finian and all the faith that he has and how sometimes I giggle because at the kitchen table when he's over at our house and when we're visiting over at Beth and Travis's house, Finian bows his head and he starts his prayer. Uh, Dear God, help us. Help us to have a good night's sleep. And we're at the dinner table. And sometimes I want to interject and say, now, now, Finian, it's, dear Lord, thank you for our food. That's what we need to pray right now. But I'm so glad that Beth and Travis didn't correct him right there. He's used to them praying at night, saying, help us to have a good night's sleep. When he came to the dinner table, he just interjects that into every prayer that he prays. I think every time Finian prays, he starts out, help us to have a good night's sleep. So let's listen to him say it again. Did Jesus help us sleep? We was using you for food. Please sing and pray. Amen. Amen. Food time. Food time. I don't think we could pray a much better prayer than that. Every time that we come to the Lord, say, Lord, help me to have a good night's sleep. How many times have you had a restless night's sleep because of all the things that are on your mind that you can't get them off your mind? 
But a little three-year-old at that time reminded me this morning. It reminded me when I was at work allowing all the pressures of my job that day to overwhelm me. I thought of Finian's little prayer. Dear Jesus, help me to have a good night's sleep. Next thing he said was, I love you, Jesus. And then he went on to ask the Lord to bless his food. I'm so glad that uh, we serve a God that can help us every night to have a good night's sleep if we trust him and believe in him. And I'm also glad that we serve a God that has defeated Satan before he even brings the Antichrist into the picture. But when the Antichrist comes, he's going to start making all kinds of big claims that he is God and you need to follow me. And that's what the next clip is dealing with. And we're going to see how God's going to deal with that when he starts making those braggadocious claims. So I think we're ready for this one. If you didn't hear what the Hulk said, he said, puny God. And that's what he's saying to Satan. And that's what he's saying to the Antichrist, even before he sets foot on the earth. If he's not set foot yet, that's what he's... Satan is defeated. The Antichrist is defeated, even before they take place. Even before they start this big movement where everyone's going to start worshiping and following him. Paul calls the church in those last verses of Thessalonians chapter 2, to stand firm. Let's bring that up if we do have it, John. Verse 13 to the end of the chapter. After all, but we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters. Or is that verse... Is that 13? All right. We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, because... From the beginning of God, that God chose you, be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and through the faith and belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, here we are. Because of all these things, thank God that He has sent Jesus Christ to make us overcomers. And because He sent Jesus Brothers and sisters, verse 15, stand firm and hold on to the teachings that have been passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by the letter. And may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God the Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And I ask that the Lord do the same thing for each of you. As you go out and face the world and face all those opinions that are contrary to God's will for your life and you're going to be asked a path to take every day that we step out in the world, make sure you stand firm to the teachings of God's Word. Don't be uh, led astray by the false teachings of Satan and the Antichrist when they come on the scene. Acts chapter one eleven says... Jesus was uh, just taken up into the, the heavens and all the people 
when they watched the ascension of Jesus, they stood up and they just stared into the skies. And then the angels came and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, He will come back in the same way that you have seen Him go into heaven. He's going to come back. But the, the angel said, don't stand around gazing into heaven while you're waiting on His return. We need to go about and be about the Father's business. If we stand around just looking up in the skies, waiting until He comes back, there's a whole lot of people that we're not going to take along with us when we get to heaven. And we need to realize that if God is bigger than the boogeyman, then, he, then God is also a God that's going to help us to, to share that witness. To share that witness, to give us boldness, to share our faith, and to let people know there's a different way than just going the easy path. And yeah, there's gonna, the Bible says straight and narrow is the path that God has marked out for those that love Him. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and that's where most people are on that path right now. If we're going to get them to come back on the straight and narrow path and find heaven as their home someday, we're going to have to ask the Lord to help us to overcome some of the fears and the anxiety to preach the message and speak the message in love to those. 1 Timothy 1.7, I say this in closing. God has not given us a spirit, and they don't have that up there. I just added this this morning. God doesn't give it a, a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear. But God gives us a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. So don't be ashamed to testify for the Lord. And I've given you a lot of Scripture to have boldness and strength and, and try your best to, to be a witness, but I'm going to share the words of that chorus with you also before we go. And I don't need these cards to do that. I've been singing this since I was a kid. I think it came out in 70, 75. I think I was about 17 years old or 16 years old when this came out. Bigger than any mountain, bigger than anything, my God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than, bigger than all my questions of fear and unbelief, my God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Can you sing... Did, you, did I say that right, Mike? You say you knew that chorus? That's pretty close, right? Bigger than all my problems, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. And when I put all this together, I thought everybody would know that chorus. I don't need to put that up on the screen, but just in case you don't know it, let me repeat it one more time before I have you bring, sing it with me. Bigger than all my questions, where? I'm sorry. There it is. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. I'm going to do like I do with the kids. Bigger than all my problems. Say that with me. Bigger than all my, bigger than all my fears. Bigger than all 
And I say to the boys, I heard the girls more than I heard the boys on that one. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions. Bigger than anything. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Sing it with me if you want. If you don't, just listen. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, my God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. And don't Trust in a puny God. Trust in the true living God who is bigger than any mountain that you can or cannot see. Pastor Andy, come and close us out. Isn't it great that we serve a God that is bigger than what we can and cannot see? That's very appropriate for uh, today, you know, because our society, our world is fearful of this uh, disease. And it is impacting our lives in huge ways, even how we spend our money. But God is bigger than what we can and cannot see. Let's pray. After that, you will be dismissed from the back to the front. I invite you to put uh, your tithes and offerings in our bin and back. I also invite you to experience God outside of church, at home, in your cars, at work, at restaurants. Take the truth that God is bigger than what you can and cannot see with you and let that permeate your thoughts, and your being, and dwell on God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words that you brought to us today. We thank you for uh, the letter that Paul wrote long, long time ago, and that it is true that you've already won the battle, that Satan is doomed and all of his little minions and helpers and this Antichrist, whomever that may be, is a loser. You already have the victory. And God, as we leave today, I pray that you would help us to remember that you are victorious, that you are greater than all things. Our problems, our finances, our houses and cars, our jobs, our relationships, you are greater than all. And we thank you for that truth. God, I pray that you be with all of us that are here and that are watching online, that your spirit would be with us wherever we are. We love you, Father, and it's in your name that we pray. It's in the name of Jesus that we speak to you. We say amen. Amen.
We will be back next week unless something really weird happens and we're shut down, but I don't foresee that happening. So go in peace and love the Lord this week. We'll be dismissed from the back to the front.